everyone and welcome to another episode of the Through the Gears podcast. I am your host Anthony Bruno and over the past weekend we saw a bevy of motorsports from NASCAR in Atlanta to Formula One in Saudi Arabia. But we will be starting out in the Middle East with the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix for Formula One. And this race saw more Red Bull dominance as it was another 1-2 for the team, this time with the positions reversed, as Sergio Perez retains his crown as the king of street circuits. This 1-2 further accentuates and shows the dominance that Red Bull has over the field with about a 20-second gap back to Fernando Alonso in second or third place, excuse me. Now, there was a lot of drama around that third podium position for Fernando Alonso. Let me explain. So, Fernando picked up a starting grid infringement from the beginning of the race. He was too far left in his pit box and thus was given a five-second time penalty. Aston Martin then served this penalty under their pit stop and thought they were in the clear. However, towards the end of the race, there was rumblings that Fernando might pick something up due to not serving the penalty properly. The end of the race comes around and Alonso is handed a 10 second time penalty for incorrectly serving his penalty as the FAI deemed that the jack touching the back of the Aston Martin was consistent with working on the vehicle. Thus, it invalidated the time served for the penalty. Now, the issue that arises here is that the FIA, from the time of Alonso's pit stop towards the end of the race, had over 30 laps to be able to look at the footage and determine whether or not it was a penalty, and thus then issue said penalty during the race. Them waiting till the end of the Grand Prix for when the celebrations had already taken place and the trophies had been given out and the champagne had been sprayed is firstly odd and second off it is getting to the point of annoyance where they almost seems like they don't want to affect the outcome of the race during the race by issuing the penalty but then they create more mayhem issuing the penalty at the end of the race. Now, of course, Aston Martin appealed the penalty on the grounds of, well, nowhere does it say that the jack touching the vehicle constitutes working on it, and nowhere does it say that this was agreed upon by other teams. An appeal in which they won, and... Fernando's P3 was reinstated. Now, this wasn't the only debacle 
that the FIA had put themselves through this past weekend. The safety car that caused these pit stops was brought out by a mechanical failure for Lance Stroll. Now, Stroll's area of retirement, which I believe was turn, I believe it was turn 14 or 17, it's the long sweeping um, bend at the end of the circuit, suffered a, or was told to retire the car and was able to get the car behind the wall. Now, according to the FIA, from the information that they had, the GPS data showed that Lance's car was still on circuit. Now, I don't know if there is a bit of a dead spot in that area of the circuit or whatnot that prevented the GPS data from updating correctly or the electrical failure within or the mechanical failure within the vehicle wreaked havoc on the GPS. All that aside, the footage from the vehicle and different camera angles around showed that Stroll's car was clearly behind the wall and that a full safety car was not necessary. And it brings to the, the question of, did the FIA not have the visuals or the, vi the visual camera angles in order to be able to make the correct call or for the stewards to be able to make the correct call at the time of the incident? And if that is a yes, that is a huge blunder on the FIA's part. Now, with that being said, if they did not have that, yes, it is a blunder, but going off of GPS data and the data that was given to them, it is the correct decision to make. And issuing a full course safety car, if you think the based on the GPS data that the car is in the middle of the circuit, it is the correct call. However, in the steward's room within the and in all the buildings that the FIA have at the circuit, the fact that they were not able to get the necessary information in order to be to make the correct call or the best call for the situation is a bit of an issue. And it ha continues to add to a long and growing resume and booklet of mistakes and moments of ineptitude from the FIA and the stewards that really has been accumulating to since the unfortunate passing of race director Charlie Whiting back in 2019. So what was a pretty decent race has been marred not only by a seemingly incomplete call to bring out the safety car, but then a incredibly delayed administration of a penalty to a podium driver.
outside of the FIA blunders and mistakes, it was a pretty good race. And it provided us a lot of information to go forward on moving into Australia in about a week and a half's time. Aston Martin are all but squarely in second place when it comes to vehicle performance. And if it weren't for an electrical failure for Lance Stroll, I would not be surprised if we had another third, sixth place double points finish for Aston Martin. I would not have been surprised. Possibly he couldn't even gotten up to fifth place. It also sure showed that Mercedes may be solidified as the third fastest team. However, with Jetta being a bit of an outlier circuit, Albert Park in Melbourne will provide a little bit more information and will determine just how close or how far the battle is between Ferrari and Mercedes. Outside of the constructors fight and the fight for vehicle performance, there were some great runs from different drivers across the field. Firstly, we'll look at the Alpine boys of Ocon and Gasly. Ocon with a great recovery drive, putting himself into the points, and a stellar drive from Gasly for a double points finish for Alpine. Next up, Kevin Magnussen, who recovers to get one point for Haas, and finally, Guang Yuzhou, who, who was able to battle through kind of a struggling Alfa Romeo car this weekend to be able to get P13. It's not amazing, but considering the pace of the Alpha over the course of the weekend, it's respectable. Now, along, along with the Lance Stroll retirement, we also had Alex Albon retire due to brake failure, and um, which is unfortunate because he was running rather well in the Williams. Um, could have been on, on pace for closing into a point maybe even got gotten to that point but it's unfortunate for them and hopefully they can bounce back in Australia speaking of down under next race will be at Albert Park circuit in Melbourne Australia and it's another one of those high speed circuits um sector 3 will require a little bit more downforce than um downforce for slower speed corners than would be needed at something like Jeddah, let's say. And it is a interesting cross between a front limited and rear limited circuit with the new layout. It's somewhat front limited in the first two sectors, with the exception being uh, turns three and four in sector one. Those are a little bit more rear limited, but then you have the heavy rear limited area of the circuit down in sector three, and that can really affect not only 
your current lap, but leading into your subsequent lap can really affect your run down the front straightaway. So being able to capitalize on that final sector will be important to being able to maintain speed and consistency in the race, but also being able to set a good lap time for qualifying. Now from Saudi Arabia to Atlanta, the NASCAR weekend was a bit of an interesting one. And especially in the Craftsman Truck Series and the Xfinity Series, it was a bit of a wreck fest. Now both the Trucks and Xfinity Series set records for number of cautions in a race at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And it was a rough display of pacing from both races. Uh, The truck race was much worse than the Xfinity Series race. On speaking on those trucks, congratulations to Christian Eckes getting the win in a rather hectic race and hectic finish. It's a great confidence booster for him in the number 19 Chevrolet and hopefully he can build on that heading throughout the season. In the Xfinity Series, we saw another super speedway win for Austin Hill and This race, once we finally stopped having a bevy of cautions and we actually got some green flag running in, it was an immaculate display of lane control from Austin Hill, being able to seemingly squash runs from either the top or bottom lane without making himself vulnerable to the opposing one was fantastic to see and Shows Hill's real skill in the Xfinity series on super speedways. And it's his third super speedway win with over the last two years with two wins. Actually, his fourth, excuse me, with two wins coming at Daytona. And now his second win here at Atlanta. And he was able to hold off Parker Kligerman and Daniel Hemrick in a wild, in a bit of a wild finish that saw Kligerman cross the line in fourth place backwards. But it was a very entertaining end of a race and a, some something that somewhat salvaged a very rough paced and caution filled first two stages. Now, in those early stages, there were some really wild scenes. So early on, stage one. After caution for an incident that spanned, I think it was something close to 20 minutes. Josh Williams in the number 92 Chevrolet had come in for repairs and they had put Bearbond on the car. And it seemed to have come off as they exited the pits. Now, as per the rulebook, NASCAR can jump in if a caution is extended by a driver due to debris And they can do various number of things, one of them being parking the car. So they parked Josh Williams for extending the caution or bringing out a second caution within such rapid succession to the first one. And Josh Williams was not happy. So much so that under caution, 
when he was told to park it, he parked it on the start-finish line, got out of the car, and walked back to the pit lane across the infield grass, waving to the crowd and NASCAR officials. Now, this was probably one of the more insane moments that I've ever seen from any of the the big three national series. And it was one of those things that kind of made you go, what am I, what, wait, what? And it kind of provided kind of a, some some entertainment to the early part of the race, that's for sure. But NASCAR didn't really take it too well. And as I am recording this, Josh Williams has been suspended for a race, so he will not be participating in the Xfinity Series race at Coda this coming weekend. Now, there were some great runs throughout the field, and let me go through um, a couple of them for you. First off, we have Ryan Truex, third place finish, and he's really making the most of his limited JGR starts. That's back-to-back top five finishes for him, and he's really making a name for himself and kind of putting his name in the hat for a more permanent ride at JGR come the future, so long as he can keep this up. As mentioned before, Parker Kligerman finishing fourth. He was in contention for the win until he was spun out on the front straightaway by Daniel Hemrick. And then ended up coming across the line backwards to finish fourth. Another one that finished really well in this race. Mr. Consistency this season so far. Riley Herbst. Another top ten finish. He's able been able to be in either the top 10 or top 5 every race so far this season. 5th place finish for him. Great work in keeping that consistency going. And the final one, 6th place finish for Brad Moffitt. Another great finish for him. And it looks like he's building some consistency and momentum for himself. Now, so some was some unfortunate runs for Justin Allgaier, who was once again involved in junior motorsports contact or conflict as he was spun into the wall by his teammate yet again. And it just seems like the junior motorsports guys can't get away from each other and can't stop making contact with each other. Another one, Chandler Smith had a mechanical issue and was forced to retire from the race. Then the final one, Jeffrey Earnhardt, who was one of the many early cautions, was taken out of the race with about 11 laps in. So, unfortunate for him. Now, we move on to really, I'd say the savior of the weekend for NASCAR, the Cup Series and Better Health 400. And this was... If you are someone that enjoys super speedway racing, this was probably some of the best you're going to get. And it was hard yet or expectful pack racing. Yeah, there were some incidents, which is to be expected when it's this kind of racing. But it was hard and fair and 
that's all you can ask for when it comes to super speedway racing. And it was the grace, great win from Joey Logano getting his first of the season and his first at Atlanta. Dominant performance all weekend, leading the basically front four row sweep for Ford and also leading 140 of 260 laps. Some other good runs on the weekend was Brad Keselowski in the runner-up position who had a great chance to win, led 47 laps, but um, coming to the checkered flag down the back straightaway, blocked one, blocked the top lane. Logano was able to make a run down the bottom thanks to a push from Corey LaJoy, and Logano was able to take the lead and hang on to it from there. Another great run, this one more a brand than a particular driver, but great work from Toyota this weekend with Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, Tyler Reddick, and Ty Gibbs all finishing in the top 10, and only Martin Truex Jr. and Bubba Wallace not finishing inside the top 10 for Toyota. Truex just didn't have pace throughout throughout the race, and... Uh, Bubba had an early spin that kind of took him out of contention early. Corey LaJoy with his career best finish of fourth place and another top five run in Atlanta. He seems to really like this place, seems to generate generate a lot of speed. Inspire Motorsports is really starting to pick things up, especially with their super speedway packages. And then finally, Eric Jones finishing in eighth place with a great top ten. Was able to cut through the field after the last restart. There's kind of um, a bunch up in both lanes, and he was able to kind of slide through the middle, find space for himself, get himself up into the top 10, and really well done from him. Now, the unfortunate runs. First one, as I mentioned before, Bubba Wallace spun out early, was never really in contention after that. Um, Kevin Harvick and uh, William Byron were involved in a, in, well, the big one. And... Took out a handful of drivers, including those two, in Stage 3. And then, finally, Kyle Larson was caught behind Eric Almarola, who was on, I believe it was 72-lap-old tires. Um, Suffered a tire failure coming out of Turn 4, and Larson was just nowhere to go. Next up for the NASCAR Parade, we head to COTA, Circuit of the Americas. And... While there are some Cup guys and Xfinity guys bouncing around between the Truck and Xfinity series trying to get some extra seat time, it's the Cup series entry list that is bringing forth the most hype so far. With the addition of two former F1 world champions in Kimi Raikkonen and Jensen Button for Trackhouse and... Do excuse me. With Kimi Raikkonen being in Trackhouse and Button being in a SAR brand, SAR assisted Ford for Rick Ware Racing. Then you have IMSA champion Jordan Taylor, who will be subbing in for Chase Elliott. And then you have seven time Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson back behind the wheel for Legacy Motor Club in the 84, who will be taking part again as this, this weekend as well. So. A really star-studded lineup going into Coda, and I'm interested to see how everybody does. 
Raikkonen's last run in the Cup Series with Project 91 for Trackhouse Racing. Saw him basically run top 10 for most of the race until an, an incident with Chastain and Gibbs coming out of the bus stop. Um, kind of ended his day prematurely. It's interesting to see how Jensen Button will do. Um, I'm not surprised he's taking part, probably getting some extra seat time in a stock car before the Garage 56 entry for Le Mans. And Jimmy Johnson behind the wheel of a cup car on a road course. Let's see what he if he can take what he learned in IndyCar and apply it to a more familiar package for himself. With all that being covered, that is it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Anthony Bruno. Take care, and I'll see you guys next time.